0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If he
1: asked you to lay something down, even if it was a gift from him, you can trust in him that he can resurrect that very thing within your life again. We can trust him. You can trust God. You absolutely can trust God. He's not looking for ways to get you. He's not looking for ways to like trick you or squash you
0: or whatever. He's a good, good father. God isn't some meanie that takes all of the good things from you and throws it in the trash. Consider for a moment the possibility that God is going to do something great with your obedience. The letting go of an item, of a person, or maybe a promotion. Whatever it is, and however hard, know that it's not in vain. God knows what He's doing. Pastor James speaks today about how Abraham and Isaac's faith exemplified this idea that you can't outgive God, and that confidence in your Father is a blessed assurance. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, as Pastor James continues his message Abraham and Isaac.
1: He's a good father. He's not a mean father. He's not a vengeful father for the most part in the sense of he will bring justice, yes. But we always walk around with this fear of like God's gonna get me, God's gonna squash me. And that's just not, that's not how, who he is. And it's not who he is in this chapter either. He's not being a mean God by asking Abraham to lay down Isaac. God already knows how the story's gonna work out. And Abraham obeys, says the next morning he got up early he saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he, this is Abraham, 100-plus-year-old Abraham, he chopped wood for the fire, or for a fire for the burnt offering. He did that. You know how many servants Abraham has? Hundreds. Hundreds. He's even got a kid. Isaac, go chop that wood. Why? Uh, just no. Abraham's like, "I'm going to chop the wood." This is my deal. This is my story. I don't need anybody else to chop the wood on this one. I got it. God's asking me to do something. If anybody's going to chop the wood for the sacrifice, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. He got up early. He chopped the wood. He set out for the place that God had told him about. Mount Moriah also, just so you understand, would be there in Jerusalem. The thought there is that, you know, that's ultimately where the temple would be built. Some would say that's, that's the same area where Jesus would be sacrificed. That makes a whole lot of sense. But there within the region of Jerusalem, before Jerusalem existed for the most part, that's where he's headed to. He's headed to the same region where somebody else would lay down their life and be the sacrifice for all of us. So they go out to the place he told them about on the third day. That sounds kind of familiar, right? The third day, Jesus, death, third day. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely a type on their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants, "The boy and I will travel a little further, a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back." That statement says it all. God says, "Go sacrifice your boy." Abraham says, "Yes, sir, yes, sir." Then Abraham gets to the place, and Abraham tells his two servants, "Hey, guys." Me and the boy are continuing on, but don't worry about it. We're going to go worship God, and then we, me and Isaac, will be back. That's faith. Well, didn't God tell you to sacrifice your son? He's like, absolutely. Well, then why are you saying that you both are, y'all are coming back? Because that's what's going to happen. Well, how does that work? It's faith. I don't think Abraham was too worried about it, honestly. I think God told him what to do. He answered that. He was obedient to that. And he just trusted in God the whole way. It says verse six, Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder. That's how we know he's not a small little child. I don't know how some of the story Bibles maybe depict that as <laughs> him as like a little boy. There's child labor laws that are being violated right there, if that's true. No, they didn't have those back then. But no, Isaac was a, was a, a strong young man. And he was gonna carry the wood up, up this they call them mountains. They're not really mountains. They're more hillsides, okay? While he himself, this is Abraham, carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have fire and the wood. He's doing the math. He's like, oh, I, think we're, I think we forgot something. But where's the sheep for the burnt offering? See, apparently Abraham didn't let Isaac in on this little story, all right? <laughs> of like, hey, Oh, yeah, Uh, I was going to tell you about that when we got there, right? You're on a need-to-know basis, Isaac. I'll let you know. He's like, hey, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's like, oh, this is awkward. I was hoping this wasn't going to come up. But no, Abraham, look look at his response. He says, uh, God will provide a sheep or a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The uh, King James says God will provide himself as an offering, he'll provide himself. Abraham's letting Isaac know, don't worry about it. God's got it. Don't worry about it. God's got it. So Isaac, Isaac's like, okay, cool. Until he gets up to the top of the mountain. Then he's like, wait, why are you tying my hands together? And why am I laying on this altar that we just built? I thought you said God's going to provide. Oh, he will. He will. So they get up there. It says they arrived at the place where God had told them to go. Abraham built an offer and arranged the wood on it. And he, the, then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up a knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Like, he's going for it. He knows, like, you, and you know probably this dude is probably like, man, I believe you, God. I'm trusting you. I'm tr- any moment now, God, you got something to say. You, you just, but he was, he knew if I, if I sacrifice my son, God's going to raise him from the dead. He's going to raise him from the dead. That's crazy faith. That's like, that's radical faith is what that is. It says, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You, you, you had this reverence towards God. You have not withheld from me, even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh or Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. To this day, people use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So within that little cool story, the rest, I mean, the rest kind of sums up the rest of it there, but uh, in chapter 22, That's what God called Abraham to do. Turn over to Hebrews 11 now. Giving you guys a heads up on it for a little bit. But so that's, this is like just crazy. You finally got the son you were promised. God's going to make a nation out of him. And then God shows up with this radical just test in his life. He's like, you trust me, right? Yeah, I trust you. Okay, go sacrifice your kid. But this is the one kid that you said you're going to make a nation out of. Where did I put this? Where did I put this within my heart and my mind? This doesn't make any sense. Logically, it makes no sense at all. And, and Abraham, at no point in his, in his life in his walk with God, post Isaac being born, are we hinted at at all that there was going to be another promised kid to Abraham and Sarah. He knew that Isaac was the one. They knew that emphatically. They absolutely knew that. Verse 17 of Hebrews 11, it says this It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. It was, it was strictly an act of faith. And, and faith is, it's his hope. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Faith is the reality of what we hope for, it's the evidence of things we cannot see. He had complete hope and faith and trust in who God is and the fact that god gave life and god would restore life if he wanted to if god called him to sacrifice his son to physically sacrifice his son isaac abraham knew 100% he will raise him from the dead that's radical faith that's like man that's impressive faith is what that is it was by faith that he he obeyed that he offered isaac as a sacrifice Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Verse 18, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. This is the promise, kid. Verse 19, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. So Abraham. He did reason within himself. And he knew, like, man, if God's calling me to lay this down, he can raise it back up to new life. And that's really what I I want us to set our hearts upon. If there is something in our life and, and, and we, we always associate bad stuff with this, but I'm not even talking about the bad stuff. Um, that's already been called. That's what you've already been called by God to lay those things aside. I'm talking about good things. I'm talking about things that God has given you, promises from God that he has given to you in your life, where sometimes he will show up in your life and say, hey, I want you to lay that down. I want you to lay that down. He can take what we lay down for his sake and restore it back to new life. In fact, you can get it back even better, even better. And your relationship with God can be stronger as a result of your obedience and your trust in who he is. We know this. Isaac was a man of faith as well. He was a man of faith as well. His name comes up next in Hebrews. He he trusted in God himself. He had his own relationship with God. That wasn't predicated so much, it was, he wasn't riding his dad's coattails, so to speak. He had his own relationship with God. And you can imagine, as Isaac is going up this mountaintop, carrying the wood, meant for a sacrifice, and begins to put all the pieces together of like, okay, we built this altar, we laid down this wood, and there's rope. There's a knife, there's fire, but there's no sacrifice. I think I'm the sacrifice. I can tell you this. Again, you can't be dogmatic on this. But I think if Isaac wanted to take Abraham, he probably could have, okay? You'd strapping young man, I'm sure. But he did it. He didn't fight against his dad. He trusted in his dad's relationship with God as well. That says a lot. That says a lot. I mean, that's, that's an impressive thing. Your faith in God can also encourage other people's faith in God. Your trusting in him as a good father can also encourage other people to trust in him as a good father. And you sow those seeds into their hearts, into their minds. Like, I don't understand this. If I was Isaac, I'd be like, I don't get this. Like, I'm the promised kid, right? Like, a nation's supposed to come out of me and, How is that going to work if I'm dead? But my dad trusts God. So I'm going to trust God. God has never steered my dad wrong. So I'm going to trust in him. And Isaac willingly got onto that altar. And in one sense, Isaac kind of did a Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He presented himself as a living sacrifice. It's amazing. Abraham had tremendous faith. Abraham is like the father of faith, right? And like he's incredible stories of faith. But Isaac had to crawl onto that altar. It's not like Abraham, like you know, put some submission hold on him and like made him pass out and then like dropped him on the altar. It was He had to be. He had to let his dad tie him up and then crawl onto that altar, trusting not just his dad but trusting in God ultimately. Because I know Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. We know that. I mean, it's the, the scriptures tell us that. And, and we even saw that back in Genesis 22 when Abraham told his servants, we're going to come back. Me and Isaac will be back. That's faith. And, and you know that those are seeds that were sowed into Isaac's heart as well. It's like, okay, we're coming back. Got it get up to the mountain. There's no sacrifice. I guess I'm the sacrifice. But my dad said, we're coming back. We don't know what conversation Abraham had with Isaac there on the mountain. And we don't need to because that's between them. Whatever words were exchanged, that's a personal thing between a father and a son who are like trusting in God, the father. But Abraham was obedient, man. He was obedient to do what God, this radical thing that God had called him to do. And he doesn't he, doesn't, he hasn't called any of us to do that and praise God to a certain extent. Like, if you ever think, like, God wants me to crawl up a mountain and take my kid, and no, he's not doing it. He, the point was made, and ultimately in the Gospels, Jesus did that himself. God the Father and Jesus, his only begotten Son, the sacrifice was made. So, God will never call any of us to climb up any mountaintops and hogtie our kids and throw them on an altar and sacrifice our kids. He will never ask you to do that. But what he will do is say, what's happening in your heart? What, what's occupying space within your heart that rightly belongs to God? And he may ask you to take that thing and set it aside for a season. Or just rearrange the priorities within your life because you can't set aside it. If it's your kids, you can't set them aside. <laughs> you still have to take care of the kids, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But are they the center of your universe? And if they are, then that's wrong. Your kids don't deserve the throne of your heart. Actually, that's doing them an injustice if that's what happens. God alone deserves the throne of our hearts. Give it to him. And when something does sneak in there or you allow it to take up residency within your heart, then just own it. And say, you know what, Lord, help me to lay this aside for a second so that you can take your place, your rightful place, on the throne of my heart as King of kings and Lord of lords. And what you have to lay aside may be just for a season. That's the beauty of the Lord. That's what I've discovered in walking with Jesus for 20 years. He's asked me to lay aside several things in my life. But rarely have I had to say, adios to those things forever like the bad stuff again hear me out and I got to say this because we live in a weird time where Christians don't like holiness and I don't understand that they want they don't want to be holy anymore and I don't get that and I can talk all about that subject but at a later time there's a really weird season we're in concerning the church and America and it's gross and I can talk about that later you can tell my like blood blood pressure is like rising a little bit. I'm like, oh, There are things, good things that, man, that just occupy so much of my time, that steal from God. And they're good things. They're good things. And they don't steal from God. I allow them to rob me, so to speak. And we just have to have like this heart check of priorities within our lives. Am I devoting all my time to this? how much time am I spending with God? How much time am I spending in the word and praying? How much time am I spending living out this book and the truths that are contained within it? How much time do I spend fellowshipping with him, communing with God? And then compare and contrast that with like, how much time am I spending on social media? How much time am I spending watching TV or engaging in this or engaging in that? And I'm not saying that like that's bad stuff, but I am saying like those things can quickly come in and they just consume all the time that you have. And I know it's true because it happens to me. And I have to have this, you know, this little heart test, a little heart exam from God saying, all right, hey, where are you at? And not just where are you at, but where am I at within your life? what has taken over or what has taken my place within your life? And you have this good heart to heart with God. And you say, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. man, help me to stay focused on you and then to enjoy the good things, to enjoy the blessings, but not to make them everything because they're not everything. They're blessings. He's everything. He's everything. And, don't feel bad if, like, if he's doing that with you because he did that with Abraham. He did that with Abraham. The, one of the most famous characters out of the entire Bible, like a third of the book of Genesis is devoted to Abraham. There's over 200 and something like references, I believe, of, of Abraham in the entire Bible. And God showed up in his life and says, hey, it's time for a test. It's time for a test. I see that you love Isaac, the gift that I have given you. But I need to see where you're at with that concerning Isaac, Isaac and me, Isaac and me. And right now, probably at that moment in Genesis chapter 22, it was probably, you know, a whole lot of Isaac and maybe not a whole lot of God. But God's so loving. He's so good. He steps into his life and says, no, let's, let's get your priorities straight. He never lost Isaac as a son. Never. And I would venture out to say that his, Abraham's relationship with Isaac post-Genesis 22 probably got stronger. Probably got stronger. In my head, I'm thinking, like, I would have been like, Dad, I'm not coming over to your house anymore. Like, he's like, hey, you want to come over for a barbecue? You're like, I don't think so. I know what the Bible says about eating people. No, He's like, no, I'm not coming over anymore. No, I think it probably, I mean, the evidence there is that Isaac continued down that path that his, his father had the example that he laid before him, and he walked with God. He had a relationship with God. I think it bolstered his faith in God. It's, it's incredible, incredible. But So that's like the little window, the little insight that we get into Abraham. Abraham just had so much faith in God that he's like, look, if you ask me to lay this down, I know you will resurrect it in my life. and And I just... The main point for that little section is is this, guys. If he asks you to lay something down, even if it was a gift from him, you can trust in him that he can resurrect that very thing within your life again. We can trust him. You can trust God. You absolutely can trust God. He's not looking for ways to get you. He's not looking for ways to, like, trick you or squash you, or whatever. He's a good, good father who loves you more than you, even, you and I even realize. And he sees the big picture, and he knows, sometimes I gotta show up into your life, and sometimes I gotta test you. I have to test you. But never forget that he's a good father who loves you, who cares about you, and his plans for your life are actually far greater than your own plans for your life. What he wants for you is better than what you want for yourself. So it's just a a good lesson from Abraham to say, you know what? Thank you, God, for all the blessings that you have given to me. Help me to keep those in check. And just to keep walking with my eyes fixed on you and just trusting in who you are. You're you're a good father. He is a good father. And he'll never ask you to do something he himself was not willing to do. And there's... There's your ultimate example where this good father sent his only begotten son to die on the cross to be the sacrifice for you and I so that we would never have, we, to do something for us we could never do for ourselves. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. And if he's so willing to do that, you can trust him with all the minutiae of your day, the little things, the little bitty things that you think, oh, it's not even a big deal to God. No, he's a good father. He cares about even the little details in your life, even the little ones. So trust him. You know what? If the test comes, let him test you. If you fail the test, ask for a retake. You know, like, can I just take that again? <laughs> you know, please. And, and again, all throughout my life, I've, I've experienced where God has shown up in my life and has tested me. And there have been times where I've passed with flying colors And I'm sad to say there have been uh, probably more times where I have failed (laughs) miserably, but His grace is sufficient. And He He loves us all the same. And He's like, all right, we didn't pass that one. Let's go, let's revisit that thing. Let's just keep working. Let's just keep going. Let's keep growing.
0: Who is your hero of the faith? For me, it changes by the day and circumstances. Most of the time, I look at Joseph. He's a dreamer just like me, and he faced extraordinary hardship along the path that God laid out for his life. And then sometimes I look at Paul, who willingly suffered and gave up his freedom and his life for the sake of the gospel. I want to be like Paul, single-minded and devoted to the cause of Christ, no matter what the world throws my way. And other times, I look at Abraham who received a promise and then waited years to watch God make it happen. Whatever circumstances I find myself in, I can turn to scripture and know that I'm not alone. Looking at the heroes of faith gives me the courage to persevere in my own race. And that's why Pastor James Grizzle is bringing us the stories of these heroes in the series on Bread for the Broken. As he shares story after story, listen to the story that God is telling you. You can hold on to those stories and keep them for the day that you're going to need that encouragement and strength. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Are you in the area? We'd love to have you come see us. We're here on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. For more information and directions, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that website is breadforthebroken.com. And for those of you that can't make it in person, we live stream on Facebook. Well, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on Bread for the Broken.
2: Show up you man